Hello, and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9 a.m. or for our more traditional service at 11 a.m. We also stream full services live on our Facebook page. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. This day in the liturgical life across Christian denominations is traditionally known as All Saints Sunday. And it's a high holy day for many churches because it's an opportunity to kind of pause in the busyness not only of our lives but in the church life and to take some time to be intentional to remember those who have gone on to glory, those who have passed away and died, specifically those who had made that membership covenant with the local church. And so as we come to this time, it made all of us on the worship planning team think about how we have been called not only to live in Jesus Christ, but also to die in Jesus Christ. And so for this month, our services are going to explore deeper what it means to die and what it means to be dead and what it means to resurrect. For Christians know there is no death without resurrection. And so the hope is that we will have an opportunity to explore these a little deeper, but we start by celebrating those who have received the rest from their labors, those who now rest in God, because that is the promise that we have received throughout the scriptures and through the traditions of the church long before the establishment of the denomination of the United Methodist Church, but also through the prayerful discernment and the experiences of Christians, individual and corporate, we understand that death is not the end. And thank goodness for that, for there would be so many stories that were cut short never to be completed. But Christ promises us not only through his resurrection, but for the promise that he will come again and raise us all to new life, that we are not ended by death either. And so this morning, as we hear in the Apostle Paul's letter to the Philippian church, that he is kind of struggling with this. He is struggling with the reality of living. It's not so easy, but he's also struggling with the reality of death, that to die means to be with Christ. And how glorious would that be? But he knows that he has work to do. Now, one of the interesting things about the Philippians letter is that it is one of the least disputed authentic letters of Paul. Maybe it's because it is consistent with this kind of internal battle that the authentic letters of Paul seem to reveal. Paul was not perfect. Paul was very authoritative, but he knew he wasn't perfect. And, and many times in the authentic letters, uh, you can see that he is wrestling with something. Sometimes it's a theological matter. Sometimes it's an ecclesiastical matter with the church. Sometimes it's just a deeply personal spiritual matter. But he's wrestling with something, and he's kind of working out the solution in the letter, hoping that it will bless those who are going to receive that letter. And of course, they did, or they would not have been saved, and we would not have inherited them through the scriptures. But we have them. And Paul was trying to say that while we are alive, we have fruitful labor to do. Now, all of us, our labor looks different throughout our lives, but fruitfulness is constant. We are called to be a fruitful people. And Jesus has high expectations for that fruitfulness, right? Not just 
10% or 30%, but Jesus actually says 100-fold. We're meant to be very fruitful people. But we often are confronted by the reality of death. And even those who become members of the church are not immune to death's reality. And there are many churches who will spend today recognizing in a myriad of ways those that have passed away in the past year. But we had no reported deaths of church members this past year. We had members of our family of faith, um, more informal members who passed away. But that's an interesting way of seeing that perhaps after several years of a pandemic and now a resurgence of respiratory illnesses and COVID, that perhaps God has given us a day to lie fallow from the harsh realities of this. And you'll see this morning that I'm wearing a stole that I didn't wear at the contemporary worship service, but this stole was given to me my first Sunday here. This stole was created by some church members who have, some of whom have gone on to glory. And this is part of the transformation that happens when your previous pastor removes the stole and leaves it for the next pastor who will come into appointment. But it's also a symbol of the continuity of Christ in a congregation where people are mortal. We pass away, but we are not forgotten. Not only does God remember us, but we remember one another. There are names and faces that we would remember. There are also people whose ministries have made an impact on our lives. There are people who maybe were not formal members of the church, but they were a part of the ministerial and missional life of this church, and what they did has left a legacy. And we are the caretakers of that legacy. We are the ones to whom it has been entrusted, not just to keep it safe, but to build on it and to hand it off to others who will continue that good work that the fruitfulness might grow. One of the places that this is so clearly seen in the life of this congregation is in Grace Grocery. When I arrived here eight years ago, people were telling me about the food pantry. And it has always remained a food mission, and it still is, but it has gone through multiple iterations of volunteer leadership. It has gone through a pandemic and come out on the other side. And all the while, it continues to feed those who are hungry. Because Jesus told us, feed my lambs. And members of this church heard that, internalized it, and took it as a call to action. Not just feed them with the good news, not just feed them with your presence in the community, but literally feed my hungry lambs. And so they did. And over time, it has grown not only with partnerships with USDA and with Wegmans, but it has grown to continue to reach out to a very diverse population. But what unites them is that they are hungry. But because of the legacy of those who took the call of Christ into themselves and allowed it to transform who they were, they know that on Monday afternoons, there is a place where the hungry are fed. And we remember that whether you volunteer or donate to Grace Grocery, whether you are part of the pre preparation for Grace Grocery, or whether you are simply praying for Grace Grocery, you are a part of that work. You are continuing to uphold that legacy. Now, I just spent the time in between the services talking to our youth about death. 
And that's an intense thing to do. But I asked them, where do you hear about death? Where have you learned about death? And they've learned about it in school, when someone dies, or like when they're studying history and they're talking about someone who had died. They learned about it in biology. They've learned about it from TV. But it's important that the church talk about death because I don't want them to be caught off guard. I don't want them to have to struggle with what is death when death is here. I want them to be prepared. I want them to know that they do not have to be afraid. The United Methodist Church spends an inordinate amount of space in its book of worship officiating and providing prayers and liturgy for those who are dying, those who have died, and those who are left behind. Because death happens. That is the one thing that all of us have in common. We were born in different ways. We were born in different times. We have lived different lives. We are not cookie cutters of one another. We have come from different places. And we have different views of the world. But every single one of us will die one day. But because of Jesus Christ, we can know, not only with our minds, but with our hearts and our spirits, that we will live again. And that promise is important. We need to be reminded of that. Because I'm sure everyone in this room has been touched by death. Death has affected us. For some of us, it has transformed us, it has changed us in ways that we are aware of, in ways of which we are not. And there are those that we would give anything to see for just five more minutes. But the good news is that God is holding them for us. They are not forsaken, they are not forgotten, they are preserved. And in life, we have tried to preserve things in various ways. We take pictures, we take movies, we write histories. We have tried to preserve things by naming things and dedicating things after people to keep their names alive. But nothing is more sure than the preservation in God. For every building will be torn asunder. Even the seashores will go away. Even the oceans, according to the book of Revelation, will be no more. But you in God is a surety. We need to know that. We need to know in all that we are in ways that are too profound for words that death is not our end and death will not win. We have to be given that promise and that hope repeatedly, not just at funerals, but more. And in the United Methodist tradition, there is a prayer that we offer called the prayer of commendation, not condemnation, commendation. It's a prayer of commendation. It's when we are commending, giving something back to God. And I want to invite you to hear it because I was thinking this past week of all the funerals that I have officiated or co-officiated and they are well past 100, well past 100. One year I officiated 27. But this remains constant this prayer that we offer. God of us all, your love never ends. When all else fails, you still are God. We pray to you for one another in our need and for all anywhere who mourn with us this day. To those who doubt, give light. To those who are weak, your strength. To all who have sinned, your mercy. To all who sorrow, your peace. Keep true in us the love with which we hold one another. In all our ways, we trust you. O oh God, 
all that you have given us is yours. As first you gave these beloved children of God to us, now we give them back to you. And we ask that God would receive them into the arms of his mercy, raise them up with all the people, but to receive us also and to raise us to new life. Help us so to love and serve you in this world that we may enter into your joy in the world to come. This prayer encapsulates the belief that death is not going to be your ending. It is not the ending for those who have gone before us, and it is not ours. And in a world that is filled with so much violence and death and sorrow and suffering, we need to be reminded that death is not the end. I'm constantly struck by the reaction that some people have to death. For some, it is a fear that is on their faces. It is a panic that is within their bodies. But I have been so fortunate and blessed to be with so many Christians as they were approaching their death and as they were dying. And one of the most incredible things I have ever witnessed is the selfless approach to death that they take. I have had so many tell me, I'm ready. I know who loves me and I know where I'm going. It is those that are left behind that I worry about. Will they come to know Jesus? Will they have this assurance? Who will love and care for them? And that is the call of the church, that we are called to continue to care for one another and for those who are left behind for now. We are those that are given the opportunity to hold fast to hope and the promise and the trust in Jesus Christ so that we can do the work that is necessary. Because it's not just the week after someone dies that there is work to do. There is work for the rest of the lives of those who have been left behind. Because death ends all of our problems. You don't get to take problems with you when you die. You get to be liberated from all of that. It's we who are left behind that will have to sort through any problems. It's we who are left behind that will have to figure out how to move forward while you get your well-deserved rest. And while the United Methodist Church does not have an actual doctrine of death, as some denominations do, we rely on the scriptures, and the scriptures tell us several things about death. One, it tells us it's universal. It's not for good people, it's not for bad people, it is just for human beings, and it happens. Two, it tells us that death does not end our encounters and experiences with God. Even while he was suffering unimaginable pain physically and mentally and spiritually, Job, in the book of Job, says, even if I die, Lord, and go down to the land of the dead, you see me. I cannot escape you. So death does not cut you off from God. If anything, it actually moves you closer to God. And the third thing is that Jesus has promised us that death will end for all people, not just for the sheep, the good, the followers, the faithful, but that Jesus will raise all of us up to life. And so a lot of Christian denominations throughout the ages have wrestled with, well, 
when are we either in or out? When is the line of demarcation? And several very loud, vocal, powerful denominations within Christendom have decided that it is the day that you die. They are wrong. Human beings decided that death was the end of God's grace. Human beings, not the scriptures, human beings have decided that you must do it now before it is too late. But death is about our time, not God's. And perhaps the rest, that metaphor that the Bible repeatedly uses, even our Lord uses that metaphor of rest before he goes to resurrect Lazarus. Perhaps it is that same rest that I talked to our young ladies about before. Maybe it's not just our bodies that have now been laid to rest. Perhaps it is our very spirits that find rest. And just as when you go to sleep, your brain keeps working for your benefit, perhaps it is in that sleep known as death that God is now working for us, solving our problems, setting aside the things that were barriers and obstacles to our faith and our relationship to God in this life. Why should death be the end when even Jesus Christ shows us it is not? Perhaps that's where God's grace can really start to work unfettered. And I hope it is true. For while I have done most of my funerals for those who were in the church or of the church, I have done funerals for those that did not know God. And I have done funerals for those where the family sat on the front pew and they did not know God. And there is nothing more heartbreaking than witnessing people who mourn with no hope. But hope is God's. Hope is God's gift. It is part of God's grace. God's grace isn't just forgiveness for your sins and your failures. God's grace isn't just a pardon for the death that should be permanent. God's grace isn't just God loving you in spite of all of our failures and falling short of the glory of God. God's grace is about hope. It is that hope that has sustained families of faith, pockets of Christianity, and individual disciples of Jesus Christ through the ages. It is that hope that we need to cling to in our time of need when confronting death, but it is that hope that we should be giving to others in their time. If you've ever had the unfortunate experience of seeing someone for the first time after a tragic loss of death in their sphere of life, you've always wondered probably, what do you say? I get that question a lot. What do you say to somebody who has just had a tragic death? Well, I remind them that while it is horrible that they have lost this person, while it is not God's will to take and to destroy, not to condemn, but to heal and to bring forth new life, we die. And they have not seen the last of their loved one. There are so many scriptures that talk about the reunion that will happen and maybe that's the moment when it clicks for certain people. Can you imagine when an unbeliever dies and for however many centuries, millennia, eons, they rest in God, they awaken for the first time to a new earth, an earth that has been transformed by God's presence and grace 
and see every human being that has ever lived, but especially their loved ones. And there on the throne is Jesus. What more powerful, transformative experience could anyone hope to have? So why do we make death the end? Why do we offer condemnation like that person is surely going to burn in hell when we know for sure that the one constant is God? And God has told us over and over again that God chooses to be consistent and constant in grace. And what is grace? That unmerited favor. And so on this day, when so many Christians are remembering those that have gone before, we have the opportunity to draw closer, not just to God, but to the God that is holding in trust all of our loved ones. That God promises us to meet us at the table. That God is here and is now the conduit, the connection, the link to those that we have loved and lost. And perhaps that's one of the unrequited blessings of the communion table is that it is not just communion with God, it is not just communion as in consuming these outward and tangible, visible signs of an inward grace, but that it is actually connecting us with those that we might not find any other connection if not for God, for now. We believe in the communion of saints. We believe that all of those who have known and loved Jesus Christ are saints in the United Methodist Church. You have not had to do any extra work and you did not have to be perfect. But if you love Jesus Christ and then one day you die, you, congratulations, are part of our sainthood. And maybe you draw clear. In the creeds, both the Nicene and the Apostles' Creed, and we as Methodists are a creedal church. We do believe in the professions of faith that are articulated there from back in the ages of the early church all the way through to now, that as we speak those words, we say that we believe in the communion of saints, and the resurrection of the body. What that body will look like, we do not know. The Apostle Paul talks about that body being kind of a spiritual and yet physical body. We know that in the book of Revelation, it promises us that when the old earth passes away and the new earth is formed, when heaven comes here, that there will be no more mourning or death or crying or sickness or sin, which means that whatever body we get, it's going to be different than anything we've ever experienced. And you can dream some big dreams around that. As I told my Bible study on Thursday, I said that means that we're going to be impervious to calories. Because calories, if you consume too many, will make you sick and you'll die. But you can't get sick and die in heaven. So, eat up, my siblings. Jesus talks about an unending feast where he hosts us. You don't have to worry if you are eating too much or too fast. You don't have to worry about allergies. You don't have to worry about contamination and food sickness. All you have to do is be present and joyful. That's the promise. That's the hope that we have from the scriptures. I'm going to close this morning by reading you another prayer. It's a prayer that comes earlier in a service of death and resurrection in the United Methodist Church. And while we have multiple options for a prayer, this is the one that I have chosen for over 100 funerals. And this prayer 
I'm going to invite us all to pray, not only in honor of all the saints that have gone before in Crozet United Methodist Church, but the saints in your lives, in your households, and in your hearts. Let us pray. Eternal God, we praise you for the great company of all those who have finished their course in faith and now rest from their labor. We praise you for those dear to us whom we name in our hearts before you. And especially we praise you for our loved ones, your children, beloved and of sacred worth, whom you have graciously received into your presence. To all of these, grant your peace. Let perpetual light shine upon them and help us so to believe where we have not yet seen that your presence may lead us through our years and bring us at last with them into the joy of your home, not made with hands, but eternal in the heavens. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. May it be so. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. <laughs>